and welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talk to T.K. Pritchard, who is the executive director of the Shore Center in Kitchener. This may sound weird, but it was a big year for abortion, at least after a U.S. Supreme Court decision in June ended the universal right to a legal abortion in the United States. In its place now is a patchwork of laws and policy that have made the lives of women more difficult as they seek to access reproductive health care. And that access? It was already less than universal even before Roe v. Wade was repealed. But why do we care up here in Canada? Protests in the summer in the United States were echoed by ones up here in Canada as well, including a gathering that took place in Market Square here in Guelph. And the reason why is pretty obvious. Fighting for better abortion access is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. If you're a woman or a pregnant person in Guelph and you wanted to get an abortion for whatever reason, what do you do? Where do you go? Yes, you can get access to a medical abortion, the so-called Plan B pill. And if it's an emergency, you can always go to Guelph General Hospital. But if you're seeking surgical abortion services, is there anywhere inside the city limits of Guelph you can seek abortion access? The answer is no, and that's the problem. Despite the fact that there are two very active anti-abortion groups here in Guelph, and they can often be seen demonstrating around town or putting up display ads on the back of buses, there's actually nowhere in Guelph you can get an abortion. They won, but they're still protesting. It's one of the reasons why the decision of the U.S. Supreme Court hit so close to home. Even though abortion laws are drastically different here in Canada when compared to the United States, we have many of the same problems of access. Abortion services tend to be close to big cities, and our big cities tend to be concentrated in the southernmost areas of the country. Getting to these cities is an issue because our regional and national transit networks are lacking. Even here in Guelph, consider how hard it is just to get to Kitchener in short order on public transit. And what if you need more than a couple of hours of care? What if you need to get time off from work? What if you need to find an affordable place to stay? Or maybe you need childcare if you already have children. Phrased this way, you can start to understand why women's rights and health advocates are worried about how a lack of abortion access anywhere can also impact us here in Canada. So on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast, T.K. Pritchard is going to talk to us about those and other challenges. They will tell us about how they felt when the decision about Roe came down this summer, what options people have locally when accessing family planning services, and why not all options should be considered equal. We will also talk about how the U.S. Supreme Court emboldened anti-choice actors here in Canada, if Canadians have been too complacent about abortion access, and why we need to make abortion a part of a more total healthcare conversation. And finally, we will talk about abortion as attached to other conversations around gender issues, why family planning is about more than just abortion, and what we can all do to help ensure everyone has equal rights and equal access to health services in Canada, including the Shore Centre. So I caught up with T.K. Pritchard last week via Zoom. Okay, T.K. Pritchard, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Uh, maybe to start off with, uh, it's been about almost six months since... Uh, the United States Supreme Court came down with their decision to basically repeal uh, Roe v. Wade. So 
uh, I mean, th there has been some signs that that is not a uh, acceptable decision in the minds of a lot of or the, the vast majority of Americans, frankly. Uh, but having said that, it seems to be something that uh, both Americans and ourselves, I, I guess, a fact of life that they've come to live with, that now there's this patchwork in the United States where it's legal in some places, illegal in others. And uh, I, I guess for, from your point of view, given your position, looking back over the last six months, you know, how how does it feel? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think when Roe first was taken down, there was such collective devastation, right? And outrage and all of the feelings that come along with, you know, dismantling of significant rights. And what does that mean kind of globally uh, as well? And then you kind of see it fall out of the news cycle a little bit as we move into the fall. Um, but even though I would say the media isn't necessarily kind of spotlighting in the same way, I think in organizations and in activist circles, folks really still are doing a lot of work to push back and what that looks like. There's a lot of really strong organizations in the U.S. But I think one of the problems that we're kind of struggling with now is that there's so much difficult news coming out and so many difficult closures related to Roe. You know, the some of the reports in the last few months are talking about the number of abortion clinics that have closed uh, in the U.S., the number of states that are losing access. You're looking at 15 states where there's uh, no abortion access and many more who are pushing for the same or for significantly limited. And there's so much legislation to grapple with that it's it's just hard to kind of consume, right? It, it's so difficult. And so I think we've almost reached this point of saturation with, you know, where do you look first? And where do you kind of fight first? Now, within each state, there are organizations who are pushing back and people on the national level. But I think it's just almost reached this overwhelming. Yeah, this is where we are. But where do you start the fight even? And let me phrase something. and It's going to sound a bit uh, combative, but I, I can imagine people sort of thinking this way. You know, it, this is something that's happening in the United States. We obviously live in Canada. And so when we're looking at I guess how things in the United States affect us here on uh, abortion access um, for people who may not sort of be aware about those connections or maybe what the potential impacts might be, you know, why, why is what, why is what is happening in America on this issue important to people in Canada who care about abortion access? Yeah, this is definitely a common question that we get, right? Why does it matter here? Um, it's not going to impact why are folks, why did we have rallies in the, in June? Why are folks so upset? I think, you know, there's a few things. One, um, I like to think about how important it is that everyone everywhere has access to bodily autonomy. And I think, you know, it's uh, behooves us to think more than beyond our own personal experience. But that being said, I know that can be difficult for folks to do sometimes too. And you have to look at the ways that this can impact in Canada. So one of the, the biggest ways that we see and have concerns is really kind of the activation of an emboldening anti-choice people in Canada, um, be those individuals or organizations. You know, I have seen organizations since Roe fell you know, actually applaud what they saw happen there and ask, how can we bring this to Canada? How could we change the Morgenthaler decision? And, you know, folks really uh, get emboldened by that. They, they People who don't want to see abortion in Canada want to look at how you replicate that either at a legislative level or just, you know, it increases protests, it increases um, anti-choice activity within the country. And again, that can be organized, but it also could be, uh, you know, someone who's getting an abortion, they're 
friend or family member who has anti-choice beliefs now feels more validated in voicing those beliefs and pushing back on that person getting an abortion because they see, you know, an entire country that's let it fall, right? So we have to see how that impacts attitudes and beliefs for sure. Uh, and again, people even in positions of power, politicians, folks who look at what's happening in the U.S. and think about how it could be replicated or at the very least uh, speak of it in a positive manner. So there's definitely that kind of social impact for sure. Uh, you know, there are conversations often about what does this mean for our abortion system and people coming from the U.S. That's a, a really big, complicated conversation. Uh, but there were also and have been concerns about what does that mean for even our ability to provide abortion care if we're getting more out of country folks trying to access here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to to sort of make that also an issue of our own access, as, as you were kind of alluding to, um, yes get it you know if, if you want an abortion you can access an abortion at least theoretically but access in terms of like ease of access is a big issue here and maybe that's kind of how we tie these issues is that yeah theoretically speaking if you are a pregnant person and you want an abortion you can find one finding one is the trick Yes, absolutely. And this is a case where, you know, in Canada, we sometimes are on our high horse a little bit about right. the abortion access that we have here. And in reality, when you work in this space, or if you yourself have tried to get an abortion, you see how difficult it is. Many communities have no providers. Uh, the vast majority of abortion providers in Canada are also kind of right around major highways around the southern part of the country and Ontario, really around the 401. So if you're in a community that's not near there, you're going to have to travel significantly far. Um, even major cities often have low gestational limits. And so you're still going to have to travel out of town if you're in your second trimester. And there's a whole bunch of issues that come with that, right? At Shore Center, we support a lot of folks who have other children and have an hourly wage job. So going mm. out of town to get an abortion means they have to find childcare, they lose wages from their job. There's transportation, depending on the procedure, sometimes there's a hotel. Those are significant costs for very basic health care. Uh, and so it's really not easy to find providers uh, in your town. And sometimes it's difficult to just find them at all. And, and people don't talk openly about the fact that they are abortion providers, which creates a barrier to access to. And if I'm if I'm understanding the present situation correctly, there is not an abortion provider in Guelph, at least so much as like I... I'm pregnant. I want an abortion. Um, where can I go? And there's nowhere in Guelph that that can serve me. That's correct. So Shore Center provides medication abortions in Guelph. So we actually do have a site there at the Community Health Center um, and will help people access a surgical abortion. But you cannot get a surgical abortion in Guelph. You're most likely going to come to Kitchener or to Brantford. Mm -hmm. So again, that that's some of those barriers we're talking about because. Um, I mean, regional transportation is is a big, uh, you know, we're we're kind of a regional transportation desert. There's uh, the the go train on weekdays a couple of times a day, but you know that's about it. So we're, even even before talking about the medical concerns, we're you know it, it it's a barrier just to get to get to help if you need a surgical abortion. Yeah, it's definitely difficult. And, you know, organizations like ours provide support around transportation, but obviously we have limited resources and it's, you know, folks have to find us and all of those pieces. And if you Google abortion in most communities, 
Um, the first things that typically come up are pregnancy crisis pregnancy centers, which don't mm-hmm. actually provide abortion support. Um, we run a, a service called Choice Connect, which is a national abortion database. And so hopefully that'll also come up for you to find your nearest provider. But a lot of times even just finding the information. And then if you don't have one in your town, figuring out, yeah, how am I going to get to another city? Um, not knowing how you're going to feel afterwards. If you don't have transportation for that too, can be really difficult. Um, how do you explain, you know, we support a lot of people who are um, living with their parents, who are not supportive of their abortion and or are in a domestic violence or an intimate partner violence situation and their partners mm-hmm. can't know. And so how do you get out of town discreetly, right? Like there's there's so many challenges and then they're layered with all of the other barriers that folks face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's there's so many places I want to lift off from that, but I'm going to start with this one, the, the Crisis Pregnancy Center. And I know this is something that a lot of anti-choice groups in the United States do, um, but it is also something that um, anti-choice groups in, in our country do as well. And and there, there's an education piece to this too, um, because if you are, as you said, if you're pregnant and you want to find out how to get an abortion, where do you go? You go to Google and you know, if, if unless you have listened to this or have you know taken part in some other learning or some other educational opportunity, um, you may not know what looks like an abort what 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 looks like an abortion provider and is an abortion provider and what is kind of like wearing a straw hat and saying it's an abortion provider. Yes, and crisis pregnancy centers come in kind of different flavors, and that some of them are upfront about the fact that they don't provide abortions. Right. Um, or that they don't support abortion conversations, but I would say that's a smaller number of them. And often that if that information is available, it's quite hidden. And so people go thinking that they're gonna be able to explore their options and that's not the support that they receive. Um, you know, and, and that can really impact whether or not folks feel safe getting an abortion, if they have the right information. Um, over the years, we've seen folks who've gone to a crisis pregnancy first and have been told things that are not true about abortion, um, mm. such as, you know, they raise rates of breast cancer, which is not mm. true, or that mm. you won't be able to have a subsequent pregnancy if you want one, which is also not true. And so, you know, people come to us with a lot of these pieces that we then kind of have to unravel with them and work through too. Um, and so it's really unfortunate that that's often, and there's so many crisis pregnancy centers in Canada, it's often one of the first and closest resources that's going to come up for someone. Yeah, because if you have the location detectors on your Google searches, it, that's who it provides first is is, yeah. is places in and around Guelph. I guess this is sort of a matter of the complacency you're talking about, right? Where, um, again, abortion is legal in this country, but... Um, We've talked about the troubles of access. Access is not universal, but it's also not a, you know, access to the right information is also not universal where I imagine, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, that there aren't many rules that if you are a crisis pregnancy center, you have to identify yourself as such um, versus, and again, you, you kind of talked about this too. If you, for centers that do provide abortion services, you can't be like, explicit like one abortion question mark get it here <laughs> like you can't be that kind of like blatant about it um because you you kind of make yourself a target as well yeah it's really interesting so you know there are rules governing charities and the ways in which we have to present ourselves and this has been a long heated debate around crisis pregnancy centers for a long time um around you know 
what is your kind of duty to care to the community and um, how does kind of honesty fit in with that? And so there's definitely kind of complicated pieces that are still ongoing around what actually happens with those organizations. Can you be a charitable organization? That type of thing. Um, You know, when you look at kind of on our side of it, um, we actually do very loudly say we're an abortion provider in many ways. I mean, it's not plastered on the front of our building, but (laughs) it's, uh, you know, on all of our resources. It's as soon as you walk in the door on all of our social media, we're very open about being an abortion provider, but not everyone feels comfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's, you know, there's historically been violence against abortion providers. It's been some time that you've seen kind of significant physical violence against abortion providers in Canada, but it it does happen. Um, But really like kind of the activism, the anti-choice activism in Canada looks a little bit different typically. Um, And I think one of the barriers that exists for abortion seekers is that we're not comfortable saying the global we saying we're not comfortable saying we're abortion providers and then folks can't find you. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk often about we are the most visible abortion provider in Kitchener-Waterloo, very public about the work that we do, um, and we don't really face a lot of backlash it's on occasion. Um, but then when we talk to other providers who do provide medication abortions, for example, we ask them about being more visible about that. And there, those fears still exist of, am I going to be a target? Um, what will that mean for the staff who work my front desk, for example? And and I, I can appreciate that, but it also really does mean that clients don't know where they can go. And we kind of keep this kind of secret abortion provider network happening. And that might be another one of those influences from the U.S. because we do see that footage of um, people. I mean, I guess there's no physical violence per se, as you were saying. But I mean, there certainly is the threat when you have people, you know, yelling awful things to you about you know burning in hell and and things like that or um i know there are a lot of abortion clinics in the states that have like volunteers whose job it is to escort um their their clients in um like run them through the gauntlet like it's you know like it's a horror movie or something to just to get their their health treatments um and then a lot of those volunteers have to hide their identity or you know cover up wear masks and and things to so that you know they're not doxxed by a lot of these groups too and that may not happen in canada as much but i mean you know we we, we in canada we do borrow tactics that we see in other places when we're talking about political action so it hasn't happened but it can happen and that's in the back of a lot of people's heads I definitely, yeah, it definitely is. And I think, you know, we do see some violence in Canada and in the U.S. Absolutely, you're right about what happens there. You also see a lot of like arson and things like that at clinics that um, it's really unfortunate. And I think we're mindful of those pieces. There's reasons that I don't publicly tell folks where I live or about my family, of course. Uh, And, you know, I think we think about the safety involved in the care that we're providing. Um, But as an organization, the importance of saying, you know, we're a healthcare provider and part of that healthcare that we provide is abortion, right? And so it's, I think, but that fear of escalating violence is definitely something in Canada that we felt since we've seen Roe being taken down, just because you see an escalation there too. You know, it could bleed over the border. Mm -hmm. How much of, I guess, the, the debate around abortion access also, you know, you kind of addressed this already, but, you know, it, it ties into sort of broader issues around gender-based violence. 
um, or just sort of gender-based discrimination too. Um, it, it seems to be, I guess, the, maybe one of the weak points because people have uh, obviously have difficult morale uh, morality issues around abortion, and I mean that can be true of religious people or irreligious people. But you know, this this does seem like the the tip of a very large spear when we're talking about all sorts of of gender based issues, um, especially hot hot button topic these days. Um, you know, whether we're talking about violence, whether we're talking about um, gendering people properly, properly, a lot of people get upset when we talk about persons who are pregnant and, and things mm. like that. It just, it seems to be um, uh, a singularity that uh, a lot of that, you know, that we can feed a lot of these other issues through, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, abortion and, you know, kind of reproductive rights in general are tied into a lot of different pieces. And I think, you know, I want to pick up one of the things you said earlier around that kind of morality piece. And that's where mm. so much of this crux exists is that I, and I would say Shore Center, does not view abortion as a moral issue, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's healthcare. Uh, and I deeply view it as healthcare. And so, but because a morality lens is applied to it by a lot of folks, it really changes where that discussion sits for them um, and, you know, changes the way people even want it governed and, you know, how our legislation uh, interacts with it. But when you look at it as a healthcare issue, it changes that frame. Um, but it does absolutely intersect with things like gender equity, um, you know, the right to bodily autonomy uh, is deeply intertwined there. And you can't achieve gender equity and safer communities and well-being for folks if you don't have strong, easy, barrier-free access to reproductive health care, which includes abortion. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder, too, though, I mean, I, I see the protests here in Guelph that are organized. And one of the strangest things I encounter sort of in my thinking about the local political structure is we have two pretty major anti-abortion based groups in Guelph. And as we discussed, there's no, unless it's an emergency, there's no access to an abortion in Guelph in a, in a sort of like a understanding of, you know, the game. And I, I appreciate it's not the game, but if we're phrasing this as a game, they mm -hmm. won that game, but every, you know, I think it's March or April where it's, they do like the, the lead up to Easter. They have like those 12 days of protest, like they're out. And I, I just, it boggles my mind. I'm sure it boggles your mind that, you know, we have two groups that are fervently anti-abortion here in Guelph and you can't get an abortion in Guelph. Yes. Yeah. It is very interesting. Uh, and, you know, it's hard because anti-choice folks can be very visible in those spaces. Often you're right around Easter and then again in September and the 40 days for life um, piece happens then. And, you know, you see protesters there, there's protesters in Kitchener, at least you can get an abortion in Kitchener. Um, and it's, it's hard because those like visible protests also have an impact on people. And then when you think about what does it mean to live in a city where I can see these protesters out on the street corner, but I can't even get the healthcare that I need here. Uh, and, you know, aside from medication abortion, it's hard. You, you can't really force the hospitals necessarily to provide services outside of the GTA. We really don't have the standalone surgical abortion clinics. Um, so that's not really an option. You know, those things are impacting people, though. When you think about folks who are 
learning about abortion or trying to understand and kind of solidifying, you know, what does this mean? And they're only seeing the folks who are pushing back against it. Uh, and, you know, that I think also further shapes anti-choice views in people who are trying to understand uh, and learn more about it. And they just don't have access to other information. Are there barriers? I mean, aside from what we've talked about, of course, but I mean, like when it comes to, I was sitting at a city council planning meeting at this week. So planning's kind of top of mind, but I mean, in terms of, in terms of like planning rules and in terms of like city, I don't know, politics or or whatever else. I mean, what's to stop? I, w- I wouldn't set up an abortion clinic because I'm not a doctor, but you know, if I was, and I was like, you know, I should just set up an abortion clinic here where people can access that surgical abortion. I mean, what's stopping me really in terms of like actual systemic, I, I guess, stuff? So a lot of it comes down to healthcare funding and licensing. Uh, medication abortion clinics are much easier because any general practitioner can provide medication abortion. So that's a, a much simpler piece to set up. But part of it is around, um, you know, the way that the healthcare system actually funds abortions. Um, there's actually just a big piece that was uh, in the Globe and Mail about the funding of those clinics. And you can see how some abortion clinics are funded and how their services covered and other essentially like a fee-for-service clinic, which doesn't actually fund the clinic existing. And there hasn't been um, will from the government in a long time to further fund those kind of standalone clinics, which just do surgical abortions. So it's not necessarily that it couldn't happen, but that the kind of restrictions and regulations piece and then the funding piece would need to be navigated with the province and would require the province to really want to invest in abortion care. Um, Similarly, in like working with the hospitals, um, that's a conversation that could happen with the province around supporting abortion care in more hospital-based spaces. Mm -hmm. All of this comes back to um, an issue of provinces also enforcing the Canada Health Act. And that's why, you know, in Canada, abortion is not um, within a legal framework. It's governed within the Canada Health Act as a healthcare procedure. Mm -hmm. Canada Health Act guarantees uh, equitable access across the country to insured services of which abortion is one. And so the provinces actually have the ability and the to and the federal government as well, actually, to be enforcing that health act uh, and saying, you know, we need to look at equitable access and the federal government could actually penalize the provinces for not doing it. But mm-hmm. again, you need that kind of political will um, from both levels of government to actually do that. Yeah, this kind of ties the what we've been talking about to, I guess, sort of this core issue of of access, right? Because I think about Campaign for Life Coalition, they put out report cards of who's friendly to their cause, who's not friendly. If you're vehemently anti-abortion, you get an A. If you're vehemently pro-choice, you get an F. Um, and even for politicians who don't care about that, this is still a, like a very active like politically savvy group who can make your life hell (laughs) with Mm. phone calls and emails and things like that. And maybe, you know, show up and pick at you and all that. So there is a political piece of this that, you know, um, I guess advocacy on the part of people who are pro-choice and want abortion access, but also on making politicians, I guess putting them on their back heel, forcing them to act and making access, not just the the legality, but access an issue. Cause it's very easy for a politician to say I'm pro-choice, but it's 
significantly harder to get them to actually act to make access a priority. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even, you know, you still struggle with a lot of people even admitting that they're pro-choice or saying that they're pro-choice, right? And this is one of the things when we're asked about, you know, whether it's politicians or people in general, like what are the types of things that we can be doing to increase abortion access in Canada? And there are tangible pieces around we need more clinics, we need more providers, um, we need more support to be navigating the kind of complexities of the systems. But one of the biggest things people can do is actually being more vocal about the fact that they do support abortion. Most research will show you that the vast majority of folks do actually support abortion. But when it comes to having those conversations with their friends, their families, their colleagues, abortion tends to still kind of be this, you know, hush, hush, like I'm okay with it, but I'm not going to say out loud to other people in my life that I'm okay with it. And that allows those anti-choice voices to be very loud. Mm -hmm. And people think that movement is stronger than it is. Uh, It's just that they take up a lot of space. But if folks were more comfortable talking about abortion, normalizing it, I think you could see some shifts. And I think you'd even see politicians recognizing that more of their constituents supported abortion than not. Um, It's just those of us who are doing abortion-related work are so busy providing the services (laughs) that it's hard to be as loud as the anti-choice folks who that really is their main goal is to be disruptive and be loud. And, you know, we're we're trying to keep the services flowing. And I I wanted to give you some time near the end here to talk up the Shore Center because, I mean, it's more than just abortion access as we've been talking about i mean that's kind of the politics and i am the guelph politicast so but you know your your center took over um the services provided by our place in kitchener earlier this year which is all about helping new mothers and and giving postpartum support um so you know can you talk about i guess the services that that shore provides above and beyond abortion Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And it's hard for even me to keep track. Sometimes we do (laughs) too much. Uh, But, you know, Shore Center is celebrating this year our 50th year. So we've been around for quite some time. And within our services, we've expanded and grown, uh, but we've kind of had some key components over the years. So that includes pregnancy option support. So we do free counseling for anyone who's considering their options, wants to talk about, you know, the experience of having an abortion, wants to talk about parenting, wants to talk about adoption, free counseling for folks. Um, And a component of that that we've expanded on, as you've mentioned in the last year, is that, you know, we've really grown our pregnancy programs as well, providing support for folks who are continuing their pregnancy. So that can include, you know, material supports like diapers and formula, as well as social supports and those types of things. And then in June, we took on the Stork Secrets program from Our Place, which is a perinatal mental health peer support program. And we're also looking to grow that even more over the next year. So quite a bit of counseling and emotional support throughout those pieces. It's all free. We don't do time-limited support, all of those types of things. Um, alongside that, we do offer our medical clinic, which, yes, does medication abortions. Um, but we also do IED insertions and removals, Nexplanon insertions and removals, uh, other birth control forms, PAPs for with people without a family doctor. And so we provide those services in Kitchener, also in Guelph, um, also in the rural townships in Woolwich, and then you know, we provide quite a bit of virtual care well beyond our city, uh, <laughs> quite far beyond, actually. There's not a lot of other providers really uh, anywhere around us. <laughs> um, and then uh, to complement all those services, we do sexual health education for people of all ages in school and community at the post-secondary institutions. Um, so we kind of have a 
really rounded complement of services and kind of anything within reproductive rights and sexual health, you'll likely find it at Shore Center. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that's something that's common with a lot of um, centers similar to Shore, that this is not uh, abortion only. It, it, abortion is part of a continuum of, you know, um, healthcare around, you know, women's health, gender health, uh, pregnancy, post-pregnancy. Um, it's one piece of a broader puzzle. And maybe that is something else we don't really talk about. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you look at our work, there's a lot of services, but you'll also find us at almost all community tables related to gender-based violence, um, related to sexual assault, uh, related to perinatal mental health, you know, we're uh, related to immigration because we have a lot of newcomer-specific programs as well as disability-specific programs. You know, you'll find us at the tables with uh, other community folks trying to look at how can we shift these issues together because we know reproductive health care and you know stopping reproductive coercion for example is one part of addressing gender-based violence as a whole and so i think we're really committed to you know this is the work that we're doing but i'm going to sit at the table with the sexual assault center and the shelters uh, and other folks doing similar work to find common solutions for our community um, so that we're really working together is there anything you don't do but you wish you could do that's a great question. You know, one of the things that we talk about quite often is expanding into uh, trans care for trans folks, because in Guelph, you have a clinic. Uh, we actually don't have one in Kitchener. Mm. And so we're really looking to see how we could potentially expand the model. Obviously, as a trans person, I have experienced what accessing healthcare is like, uh, and I would like that to be better in Kitchener. And so, you know, we're looking at some of those future potential expansions for our clinical services if we could gain some capacity. Um, And really, I think we're always trying to improve our programs, make sure that particularly our population-specific work is really supportive. Um, Yeah, but sustaining (laughs) the work is also... It's a a full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and for for people who don't know, it's uh it's Arch in Guelph that provides uh trans uh he- trans based healthcare uh for p- trans people. Um, so they get the the service that that um that uh, suits them. And yeah. uh yeah, that's that's interesting that that's something Guelph has. That can, not not that I'm bragging, of course, but it is uh it is good to hear that um that we are leading in um some areas of healthcare. <laughs> um, <laughs> again, not to be bragging, but uh, maybe to, to wrap up here, uh, it, you know, it's Christmas time, time of giving, and I'm sure you would not uh, be adverse to talking about some of the things you need and maybe ways people can help out. Uh, aside, I guess, aside from some of the political activism we've talked about, but in terms of like things that um, the shore center might need in terms of volunteers or awareness or, fundraising, I don't know, you tell me, what, 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 how can people help you out? Yeah, great question. So, you know, there's actually a way with the organization to tie the awareness and fundraising together. So one of the things we do is run a Friends of Shore program for folks who, you know, want to do, you know, donors are important, but they want to kind of have a different level of involvement with the organization. So we run programming with the Friends of Shore to talk about, you know, how do you talk about abortion with folks who aren't comfortable? How do I talk about Shore services? Um, how do we look at what's happening in the U.S. and reconcile that? And Friends Ashore is typically we ask for a $10 min- minimum monthly donation. Um, 
but we can work with that too. So <laughs> that's one way that folks can kind of get involved and, and learn more from the organization. We do typically also take on volunteers to be volunteer drivers um, and likely we'll be looking for some new folks in the new year. That's to help get people to their appointments. But the one thing I'll say for, for sure and for any charity that you're looking to donate to, um, what the thing that really sustains us if you're thinking about being a donor is being a monthly donor uh, because it gives us more you know, kind of clear ideas of what our budgets are going to look at, how many staff can we have with those donations, things like that. So if you're on the fence about should I give yearly, should I give monthly, uh, monthly donors are deeply, deeply appreciated. And that <laughs> gives us some real sustainability. Perfect. Uh, well, TK Pritchard, uh, thank you for your time today. And I'll, I'll sign off by just saying, you know, I it was very easy to sort of join the the klaxon in in june when when roe was repealed and and at the time i i appreciated the there was a gathering at guelph city hall around that time and you were there and i know there were gatherings in kitchener waterloo as well but i i just feel it vitally important that this is an everyday issue not just like when something happens issue which is why i i i I really wanted to have a a fulsome discussion with you uh, at a time when you know maybe you know, approaching the end of the year and and thinking about the th- some of the big news stories that happened this year, um, and you know, sort of what happened in the United States and how that impacts us here is definitely part of that. So, thank you for this discussion, and uh, good luck to you and everybody at Shore. You guys do great work, and uh, uh, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. And once again, that was T.K. Pritchard. You can learn more about the Shore Center in Kitchener, including a list of their services and how you can access them by going to shorecenter.ca. That is S-H-O-R-E center.ca. You can also follow Pritchard themselves on social media at T.K. Pritchard. That's P-R-I-T-C-H-A-R-D. And if you're interested in advocacy to increase abortion access in Guelph and across Canada, you can seek out the Abortion Rights Coalition of Canada at arcc-cdac.ca, or you can go to the National Abortion Federation of Canada website at nafcanada.org. And that's it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com if you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico. You can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca where there will be a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then... We will see you next time.